Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us for Tiny Sparks Big Flames. Have you ever wondered what it's really like to follow your dreams? If the answer is yes, come along as we get the inside scoop from creatives, innovators, and difference makers who are daring to make their visions a reality. In three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to Tiny Sparks Big Flames. I'm your host, Deb God. Today, we have the delightful Bridget Simmons in the studio. Bridget is a masterful life and leadership coach, and she's the founder of Limitless by Bridget. She's also a dynamic speaker, facilitator, and trainer. She loves to help individuals and teams identify and remove anything limiting them from their next level of success. She always knew she was destined to coach others and believes that life is meant to be lived out loud, on purpose, and in service of others. She truly gets excited about taking trips, food and wine, documentaries, and she will immediately go to Amazon and buy the book you just recommended. Welcome to the show, Bridget. (laughs) Thank you, Deb. I'm delighted and honored and feel so blessed to be here with you. This is going to be so much fun. What I want to do is start where this part of your journey kicks in. The moment you walked away from corporate to the coach that you are today, tell us a little bit about that journey. Oh, it's amazing when you mention me walking away from corporate. I have the visual of the space and area that I walked for the last time. The corporate building I worked in for 15 plus years in insurance. It sits on the bay, Tampa Bay, which is a beautiful building. And it's right next to the Hyatt Tampa. And the parking garage sits just across from the buildings. So to get to the office, you had to walk across this beautiful tree-lined driveway that was gorgeous. But we also used to joke, me and my coworkers, that it was a dangerous trek into the office because the trees and the driveway people would speed by. And I remember walking out and across that tree-lined sidewalk for the very last time in the fall of 2016. And I thought to myself, I have practiced this moment of leaving for the last time this building, and I cannot believe it's finally happening. (laughs) I felt unleashed and like a space of being limited and feeling limited was released and releasing me into the next phase of my life, which was being able to be exactly what you just said in service to other people with my life, not just finding pockets to do it or weekends to do it or moments to volunteer, but actually dedicating my entire life using who I am holistically to support the wholeness of other people. Oh, so that was the day I walked out and never looked back and have been since then coaching, training, speaking, sharing stories and sharing myself and connecting with other people to help them make that same walk. It may not be exactly the same, but the spirit of it is the same for the individuals who are designed to work with me and connect with me is that there's this need and desire for this freedom and this arms wide open dance that we get to do with life that passes by so quickly. So from that moment to now, that's what I get to wake up 
and open my eyes and do every single day. And it still just completely amazes me that this is my life. That sounds pretty amazing. It is. It really is. When you think about that time when you were walking away down that tree-lined path that you were talking about, what is it that really inspired you and motivated you to pursue coaching? Oh, gosh, it's, it's such an interesting thing when I get asked the question, how long have you been a coach? I half-jokingly say, unofficially, my entire life. Mm. <laughs> because I have always, as long as I can remember, loved being a listening ear. I loved understanding people or, or at least trying to understand people and support people. And even though coaches do not give advice, one of the first things I learned, much to my disappointment, (laughs) (laughs) I thought when I was going to be trained as a coach, I would find a sophisticated way, a professional way, if you will, to share my opinions on other people's lives, but quickly learned, which I'm grateful for that that is not what we do. But I chose the path of being a coach because I have such a deep-seated passion for what humans can do when they desire to do a thing. So to be a part of that journey and that walk, to begin to do what you desire to do and then to do it again and again and again, it's my superpower. It is who I was created to be. I believe every one of us has a specific way in which we serve humanity and not everybody chooses to, wants to, knows that they can tap into this special gift. But when they feel uncomfortable enough doing something else that doesn't really fit them and they start after the path of that, like I did with coaching, oh my gosh, you really start to understand what life is all about. Here's a question. You talked about your superpower. What's your kryptonite? (laughs) Besides chocolate? Or, or a new book that you recommend, like you talked about? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Oh, my kryptonite. My kryptonite, I would have to say is, and I'm still working on this, but really wanting to help everyone that the work on the kryptonite for me is to realize that nobody needs help, support. Yes. But I feel a lot of us coaches begin from a place of wanting to bolster people and help people. And one of the cardinal rules of being a coach is to not be attached to the outcome of the client that I'm working with or the team. And that is difficult, especially when I root for everyone. I'm like the number one cheerleader. I've got my pom-poms. And when fear just has a grip on someone or whatever the case, my kryptonite really can be that attachment to seeing them when, according to my standards and remembering that, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. One of the most interesting things I've heard about coaching is that there's coaching and then there's the business of coaching. And that Limitless by Bridget is also a company. Mm-hmm. Talk just a few minutes about the business of coaching and what that's like when you walk away from a job, from a corporate gig. What's that like? Oh, it's like (laughs) swimming in a forest. (laughs) I love that. I don't even know where that came from, but it's the first thing that came to me. You know what I like in it too is 
being a child in a household with parents and having the structure, the infrastructure, the support where you do your part, but the house and the households going doesn't depend on you because you're the child. You're a beautiful contributor to the household. It wouldn't be the same without you. Yet you're not necessarily carrying the brunt of the load. You don't have to necessarily understand all of the inner workings. That was what I felt like in corporate. And it's interesting that I even think of that as the analogy, because part of where limitless and the need for it and the desire for it for me comes from is since I was a little girl, though I deeply value and I'm so grateful for my parents, I felt so limited (laughs) in that house. Mm. And my parents hail from the beautiful island of Jamaica. And in my willful defiance, a lot of times they would repeat the age old saying that a lot of parents have said to children, you know what, when you're under your own roof, you can do it your way. But until then you're under our roof. And that was like, ah, okay, well, I have to get my own roof. So as a corporate citizen, I was under someone else's roof. Now what that feels like is I have my own roof and it's so much fun. And much like younger Bridget under her own roof as a college student was my first roof of my own. There was a lot of messiness and not knowing what I'm doing, but following what I was taught by home base, being home, my mom and dad's home and by corporate. A lot of my corporate time has been hugely beneficial for myself and my own business. And there were a lot of things I rebelled against that I'm now realizing, oh, there's a need for that. Case in point, for the first couple of years of business, I enjoyed just the frolic and the play of the business. The possibility that I could market a thing and someone would pay for a thing and I got income. Yippee, I'm doing great. And as I started to mature as a business owner, I started to realize because I would buck against and be rebellious about, I don't need numbers, numbers, numbers. That's one thing about corporate I didn't like was all the reports and the meetings. Well, as I started to become a more wiser and astute business person, I'm like, okay, tell me about these numbers. (laughs) Because to be a viable adult business owner, it's imperative. And that's something that I've grown into and realized the power of knowing QuickBooks and profit and loss and those things that as a kid business owner, I thought that's just yawn. Let me go do my coaching thing. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love the fun side of the way you look at business. Yeah. And that's really a mindset, right? Because it's that idea of, do I come from a place of scarcity or do I come from a place of abundance? And what does that look like and how does that translate to how I build a business. Absolutely. Fun has to be involved. Otherwise, I don't know what I would do with myself. (laughs) Sure. What's the greatest challenge you've faced so far as a businesswoman? And how have you overcome that? Mm, It's a really great question. The biggest challenge is exactly what you just said. It's my own mindset. I recognize that there are certain rules of engagement of life and of business that many play by that are simply given and then accepted and adopted, but they're not really true. Mm. I've really watched the times where I am in months long worry about, can I sustain this? Is it going to work? 
oh my God. And then I get the evidence to support that space of worry. And then conversely, the times where I am playing and just releasing that worry and in a space of belief and faith, the results reflect that. And I know sometimes that can seem really cliche, especially in the coaching world and the self-development world. But I'll tell you one time when I started to become an adolescent adult in the business world and secured a bookkeeper and she would do the bookkeeping monthly meetings with me in a very interesting way. She showed, and at this point, I want to say it was probably August or September of a year. And she'd highlighted certain parts of the months prior. And she asked, what was going on in March and May? And I thought to myself, well, hold on, let me look at my calendar to remind myself what I was doing. I said, oh, actually, I was on vacation those two months here and here. Ah. And she said, those were your largest income months. And two things, one, without her the bookkeeper, which as I shared, was part of growing as a businesswoman. I wouldn't have known that information. And two, amazing feedback that has allowed me to chill a lot more. There have been times at the end of a great year, I've thought, can I do that again? And my mindset just gets into this down valley that I've been in for longer than I care to admit sometimes. Yeah. You ready for a fun question? I am. What's the wildest, craziest risk you've ever taken that paid off? And what did you learn about yourself? The wildest, craziest risk. Oh, well, the most recent, because I would say the obvious is me leaving corporate, the safe gig to do this. And it has paid off times a thousand. But the most recent wildest, craziest risk I ever took that paid off was I just happened to see an email from my now mentor, but at the time she wasn't, it was just a woman I was loosely following. And she had an event that was a weekend long virtual event. And I had time space and I'm also very led by my gut and my gut was like, go. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be there at this event. I was feeling moved and inspired. And at the end of the event, she sold a year long coaching package not even the coaching because she's not a coach. She's a mentor, a mastermind for a year, the most money I'd ever invested in at one time for such an experience, about $30,000. Now I'd done that over some time, but never like this. And I felt so compelled. Oh my gosh. I just felt this go, go for it. Do it. This is time. It's exactly what you need for your next level. And I did it. Oh my gosh, Deb. That was five months after I earned back exactly what I'd spent. Nice. Ooh, and then two months after that, I doubled what I'd spent. Wow. So I would say that risk, that gut nudge really served me well. But I couldn't have known that the minute that I plunked down that money. It felt very edgy and scary. Wow. Well, you brought up the idea of a mentor. Who are some of the role models, mentors, heroes that have been in your life that have helped you grow to where you are today as a coach and as a businesswoman? Mm. So first and foremost, my two biggest cheerleaders and mentors are my mom and dad Mm. coming from Jamaica and being immigrants to the United States having nothing at all coming from what would be considered poverty by U.S. standards, but with a determination and a passion to have a life completely different 
and to keep following that and following that conviction and then having three kids of which I'm included in and instilling in us the ability and the knowing that we can do whatever it is that we choose. My mom and my dad, for sure, are my greatest, biggest, and longest standing heroes in my life. My dad, my first entrepreneur that I have seen, I feel like I have in me the part of him that never really liked to work for other people, <laughs> not liking being told what to do. He is an engineer by trade and quit that in the early 80s to be in real estate and has done well. And my mother, even even though she's a retired registered nurse, has had a couple of entrepreneurial ventures, even now in retirement as well, which is just powerful. Beyond my mom and dad, oh, there's so, so, so many. I do not want to get in trouble for not naming, but I will say my first coach and trainer, Jennifer Barley, I'll never forget there was one day, and she probably doesn't remember saying this to me, but there was an exercise we had to do once. And I wrote down something in the exercise and she looked at me and she said, and I had written down something to the effect of, I will have my own coaching business. And she said, and I believe you will. And I hung on to that. And it's one of the most beautiful things to have someone believe in you. And that moment meant a lot for me. My mentor now, Shamika Tankerson, and her belief in me, is incredible at her challenging of my boundaries, <laughs> not boundaries in terms of protection, but like my own protected boundaries that are keeping me safe and small and so many countless others. I have been so blessed on my journey to have so many. And then people, of course, that I've not met close up, Lisa Nichols, who I met close up, but it was just a little selfie at a, <laughs> at a conference, Tony Robbins, who I credit with a lot of my investment in overcoming fears. And I look at Oprah Winfrey and her story and the platform that she has for helping humans to understand their human capacity and themselves. So those would be at the top of my list. That sounds like a pretty amazing list. <laughs> I would love to have them all over for dinner one day. Okay, so we're going to go there. Okay. You just named a group of people. If there's one person you could have lunch with who's living, and that one person could be anybody in the world, who would they be, why, and what would you talk about? Oh, my gosh. Mm, just one person? Just one. Do. Ah, it's too much. It would have to be Oprah. I would have Oprah and me for lunch. And I think it would be such a beautiful conversation. And the thing to know about me, Deb, is I consider lack of plans very fun. Mm. So if I were to be able to secure lunch with Oprah, I wouldn't plan anything. I would want to show up and have her show up and have whatever unfolds and comes up, come up. Because I think that is one of the most beautiful ways to experience ourselves and other people is to meet the moment and see what transpires in that moment and then hold on to what did. That sounds like a fun lunch. Why Oprah? <sighs> well, one question I would have for her that I have a little pre-planned is, who, who do you suppose would take your spot when you're done? Ooh. <laughs> because ever since I was in high school, before I even knew what a coach was, one thing that I would say all the time is I am going to replace Oprah when she retires. So that would be it. And I would want to ask her questions 
and just show up in a way that I'm guessing no one else has or, or wouldn't. Because I'm sure she's used to being on people's dinner invite list, you know, and dream dinner list. So that's cliche, but I love her mindset and how she constantly attracts to her people that have conversations that provide for the limitless nature of the planet. There's something about her that gravitates those people and those conversations and those books to her. And I just want to be in that presence. Yeah. One of the most interesting things I've heard about her, she was on an interview with Siskel and Ebert, and he said to her, so Oprah, what do you know for sure? She sputtered. She had no idea how to even answer that question. It totally took her by surprise, and she didn't have an answer for it. And the story goes that from that point on, that became a question that she asked her guests, and that became a big part of how she interviews people, talks with people. And so, Bridget, what do you know for sure? (laughs) I never knew that story or the origin of that question, and I love that question. I know that I know nothing for sure. Ah, That the moment I feel I know something for sure, I cease learning. And because learning is my jam, learning turns me on, learning makes me so juiced up and excited. I never want to know anything for sure. And I don't know anything for sure. What do you feel? We'll go with feeling. What do you feel is the secret to life and living fully? I believe the secret to life is knowing that it's such a precious gift and remembering that most days could allow us to treasure it in a way that when we don't and we take it for granted, it seems to go so fast. Mm -hmm. And I remember being younger than I am now before my gray hairs, people more seasoned and adults saying that. It goes so fast. They're just growing up so fast. If I was the kid or about kids around And I can really understand that now. And that there may have been moments I sat in a little longer, took my time with, was a bit more present. So knowing and treasuring it as a gift, the gift that it is, as the secret to life. And the secret to living fully is taking that gift and opening it every time your eyes open, every time it occurs to you, I'm bored. Or there has to be more to life than this. Or there's some level of frustration or you lose somebody that you cherished and loved. I feel that tends to remind us of the brevity of life. And living fully is choosing, tapping into who you are and the truth of who you are and what you desire to be and to do from that being. That is freedom and living freely and living fully because most people tend to live in fear of other people's judgments and opinions and thoughts. And most people tend to live within expectations of others. And very rarely is it that a person can say and does say and lives in a way that every single choice and decision that they make is 100% because they wanted to. Mm. That's fully living. It's edgy, and I can't even profess to say that I'm 100% in that fullness of life. 
because I still have fear of judgment and thoughts and being kicked out of the tribes that love me. If I were to fully be, okay, <laughs> you really want to hear what I have to say, or I'm going to do what I want to do and it's going to be on display. There's still some hold back there, but that's the space I get to play in, in my own journey to limitless as I support those that I'm called to serve in their limitlessness. I love the tagline limitless or that part of the name of your company. When you think about people who want to follow a dream or they want to live their purpose, they want to follow their passion. I mean, fear is just automatically a part of that in some way, shape or form. What's one piece of advice or one success secret that you could share with someone who really, really wants to do that. And that fear is actually holding them back. Mm. You know, I once I'll answer that question with a story. I was working with a client and she had this pulling to be something completely different than she had. And so when we began working together, one of the first things I love to do is to create the compelling vision that will pull you forward. Give me every single detail in living color. Dream out loud. Our imagination is the ticket and the gateway and is often underutilized. And so I had her dream and tell me more and tell me more what would be happening and what else. And I just kept asking. And from that space, she popped out of that imaginary dream and said, but I can't do that. There's no way I've been doing what I've been doing for over two decades. It makes me great money. And that's so normal. So first it was allowing her to understand this fear of how is it possible? And the fear of, can I do it? And the fear of failing is beyond normal. That sense of, oh, there's fearlessness. No, that's garbage. Our brains are wired to stop us from danger and from annihilation. And that can feel like annihilation of the person we've always known ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. And in this case, my client's case, her beingness was 20 years plus in the making. So naturally she would be afraid. And the part of her that was fearing annihilation and the death of that version of her was trying to keep itself alive. And so from that space, there was a choice to be made. The vision that you just painted for me, if you had to choose, if there were two elements on the table with, with regard to that vision or the safety that you know, which would you grab to play with? And she said, without a doubt, the vision. And I said, okay, from, from that decision then, what's your first tiny, tiny step? Mm. And she knew, she knew exactly what to do. And with me, Supporting her over the months we worked together, she kept taking tiny steps and tiny steps turned into big steps and bigger steps. And she's completely a different person that if I were to ask her now, what about that 20 year role and gig you're so used to? She'd just laugh and think, I knew I was ready to go. Fear was just needing to come along for the ride, but it didn't need to have the final say. Yeah. I love that story. Thanks. I have two more questions. You ready? I'm ready. Fun question. Where do you love to go in Tampa for fun, for play, for inspiration? Oh, I love it. That's easy. So there is a place called the Riverwalk. That's a newer, new-ish development over the last decade. 
And for many, many years, because I've been here for many decades in Tampa and never really knew we had a river. I mean, I loosely knew, but, you know, this is speaking to imagination. There was a mayor over a decade ago, but he had a vision for this river. Like we have this river, this body of water that runs right through downtown Tampa. Why don't we utilize it? And from his imagination was born this river walk with beautiful neon lights at night. And anytime you go, there's people and families and pets. And when the weather's beautiful, it's just crowded on the weekends. And oh my gosh, Deb, it just gives me so much peace and joy between one of my favorite pastimes of people watching. I love water and the movement of water and the stillness of water. And there's food to eat there and grass and there's AstroTurf fake grass if you don't want real grass or if you got allergies. It is one of my favorite places to just sit and do nothing or sit and actually get inspired. And sometimes I drag my laptop there and do some work. So yeah, it's one of my favorite places, especially if I'm not able to get out to the beach. And also the beach isn't that practical for laptops because who wants sand in that anyway? Yeah, there's that. (laughs) Yeah, can get a little messy. So yeah, the Riverwalk is one of my favorite places. It sounds like a dreamy place. It is pretty cool. If you visit, when you visit, I'll take you take you to my favorite spot on the Riverwalk. I'm in. I just yes. I'm saying that right now. I'm in. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> I know because we can envision it, right? Yes, we sure can. All right. All right. Last question for you. What's next for you? Oh my gosh. That question gives me slight butterflies in my stomach, Deb. I can't even pretend because much like the client I spoke about earlier, I've got these two elements on the table. One, which is a space of safety that was once edgy when I was leaving corporate to be a full-time business owner. And now that that's been the case for a number of years, ah, that's my new norm. That's the the quote unquote trouble with life is that you ascend to a higher height. And if you're still living, you've got more to do. (laughs) Yeah. More to choose to do, I should say. And so I feel and I fear that my calling is really large, Deb, and I'm hiding from it. (laughs) What's next is removing the limits of that hiding and continuing to say yes to myself and to yes to opportunities to trust myself, to trust the process, to trust God and the universe, that that bigness won't swallow me whole or make me feel too overwhelmed. And that the deepest part of my heart that wishes to see every living being that desires to feel and experience limitless and the truth of who they are to experience it. If that requires me to lean into the discomfort of a bigness that's uncomfortable for me, then that's what's next for me. Wow. I cannot tell you how much it means to me that you said yes to this podcast. I just thank you so much for being here this evening. Thank you, Deb. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to be invited. I've considered any invitation in any way, in any shape, whether it's dinner, a conversation, a space, because I do see life as a gift Mm. to invite me into the space of your gift and your dream and your gift is truly, truly an honor. And I just thank you for for considering me a tiny spark in a big flame. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. How can people get to know you better? Where can they go to find out more about you and Limitless by Bridget? Oh, there's a couple of ways you can pick your pleasure or all of them. 
you can go to my website, which is Limitless by Bridget, spelled B-R-I-D-G-E-T-T-E dot com. You can also find me on Instagram, Limitless by Bridget. Facebook, same thing, Limitless by Bridget. Or LinkedIn for my business bunnies, which is Bridget Simmons, my first and last name, Bridget Simmons with a D, a silent D at the end. Everybody check out her website. Check out all of her social. I follow her really closely as one of her business bunnies on LinkedIn, and her (laughs) posts are remarkable. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show and spreading the word about us to all of your family and friends. And I just thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Deb. Thank you so, so much. This was such a beautiful conversation. That's it for this episode of Tiny Sparks, Big Flames. If you enjoyed the conversation, definitely check out our webpage at tinysparksbigflames.com. You can find more great information about today's guests, see what they're up to, and even follow their work. Until next time, dream big and thanks for listening.